much as I can today. I um, want to finish up the, really a series, and, and um, it, it, you know, sometimes you feel like you want to get into something else, but I feel like I just need to close this chapter and kind of this series. Um, we've been talking about living under the influence of the end, and uh, it was a long series that started a long time ago, and I've been in the series uh, Living Under the Influence and uh, really the power of grace in our lives. And so I wanted to just, uh, we talked about living under the influence of the end last week. We talked about um, some of the things of eternal life and eternity. Um, and I just wanted to finish this up today if I could. And, and I want to just, as I, much as I can, give scripture. Because I really feel that it's important to read and see in the word of God what the Bible says about, amen, eternal life. How many believe it's important to to read from the Bible, especially in church. I think it's important, right? And uh, to share. And so I do have some scriptures today, but um, just that you would really follow along and, and just really kind of wind this series up. Um, as we talked about living under the influence of the end, one of the things that the reality is, is that those that live under the influence of the end will receive a reward. Not only in this life, as Jesus said, but in the life to come. How many know that Jesus will reward you in this life? There's, there's blessing, there's, there's things that God gives you in this life, but how many know that there is a reward waiting for us or will, could be waiting for us in eternity? The Bible is so clear about this, and I think that when we read scriptures about this, we maybe just kind of uh, gloss over it and we think, well, that's the Apostle Paul talking, or maybe that's just... Uh, you know, something in the Christian faith that I'm not really aware of, but I believe that we need to take it a little bit more to heart and realize that what God says about eternal life and what God says about the end really has to shape our lives today. How many believe that we need to be living under the influence of the end? Amen. The Bible says that it's appointed once to everybody to die and to stand before the Lord. And uh, so we, we take that very serious in the Christian faith and as Christians here and believers here. But I wanted to read a couple scriptures and just um, give some principles. But in 2 John chapter 1, verse 8, um, then I'm going to read from 2 Timothy. But in 2 John, um, he says this. He says he's talking about the doctrine of Jesus Christ that's been handed down through the apostles. And he says, watch yourselves, verse 8, that you do not lose what we have accomplished but that you may receive a full reward. He's not talking about now, he's talking about later. Something that will happen later. Something we'll receive from the Lord later. So many times we emphasize what God can give us today. But Paul and, and the disciples talked a lot about, and even Jesus himself talked about, what God wants to give us in the next life. Reward, amen. In 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says this, Now there is in store for me... The crown of righteousness. Again, that sounds really great, but listen to what he says. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. We've talked about that, that day last week. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing or long for his appearing. There is a crown of righteousness. There is a, uh, he says award, but there is a reward in God. How many believe that there is a reward in Jesus Christ? Amen. Paul said that your inheritance is reserved in heaven. It's reserved in heaven waiting for you. That's what he said. And so reward is really we're gaining something from the Lord. We're receiving something from God. And many people say, well, I, I don't, I'm not looking for a reward from Jesus. I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not asking for a reward from the Lord. Well, how, you're, you're asking for stuff from God right now. What's the difference of wanting things from God now or later? I mean, no, we want stuff from God right now. 
But how many know we can expect to receive something from the Lord later? The Bible says that there are rewards in the Lord for us. Amen. And so I believe that, that um, it's something that we will gain. Paul talked many times about this in his life, and he used analogy about sports. Something to gain. How many know Jesus has something for you to gain? He's going to give you something in eternity, and I believe it's a reward. Jesus lived for a reward. Did you know that? Jesus lived for a reward. How many know we're Jesus' reward? We're part of the inheritance that Jesus said that is laid up for him, that he is waiting for. We were his reward. Amen. Isn't that good? We were his reward. Jesus was living for an eternal reward. He said, in my Father's house there's many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. How many know he was talking about a reward? Talking about, come on, some of you, your grandparents knew what I was talking about. Amen. They talked about it a lot, sang about it a lot. <clears throat> but I believe that we need to continue to live under the influence of the end because it's real. I mean, no, this is real. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Amen. And that's not just in this life, but as Jesus teaches in the life to come. So here's the key to that. That is that we are to live humble in humble obedience and constant purpose. Amen. So, so that's the key to really receiving and looking forward that reward. Someone said, well, I'm not looking for a reward. Well, you really don't understand the Christian faith then. Because everything that we're going through and, and struggling with and all the trials and tests, the Bible says that it's not just for, for nothing that we're going through, but there will be a reward in those things. Amen. Come on. If you, if you suffer under persecution here, the Bible makes it clear that there will be reward over there. How many, know, how many know God cares about the troubles you go through? And it's not just a waste of time. They're, they're being stored up. All those victories, all those accomplishments, all those things that we go through in life, all the, all the tears that we cry, how many know they're being stored up? And there's a reward in heaven waiting for us. That's what Paul said. It's reserved in heaven for us. And there's different rewards the Bible talks about. But I, and we could add to this, but I'm just going to give two of these things that I believe that we're going to be rewarded for. Two things that I see in the scriptures that we're going to be rewarded for. Number one, faithfulness to Jesus. You know, as a faithful disciple, as a true witness, you're going to be rewarded for your faith. How many believe that? I believe that. How many know that the disciples that were martyred and killed for the sake of the gospel were rewarded in heaven? Amen. And so I believe that the faithfulness to Jesus, that's what we're going to be rewarded on. How, how, we, how we followed his teachings, how we uh, obeyed his commands, how we, how we lived out the mission, how we did the, the great commission. How many believe that there's a reward for those that walk in those things? That, that walk in the faithfulness of Jesus, that are faithful and true witnesses, as we see in the book of Revelation. The people that had the white robes on, man, they suffered great persecution on earth, but they were rewarded in heaven greatly. Amen? How many know that your faithfulness to Jesus will be rewarded? It will be rewarded. Yes, it will. How many have ever really felt that the Lord has rewarded your faithfulness to Him right now on this earth? I believe that there's times that, you know, you had to make tough choices. You may have had to make tough decisions. You really made a stand for the Lord, maybe against your family and your friends. And how many know that God blesses you for that? Anybody? Come on. God blesses you for those things. God rewards you for those things. Well, I'm not living for reward. No, I'm living just to love Him. But how many know there's rewards to that? 
But the Bible says there's bigger rewards. There's bigger things when we die. And that is when we're faithful to Jesus. The second thing is not just our faithfulness to the Lord, but also if we overcome in this life. If we overcome in this life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In the book of Revelation, several times it talks about to people who overcome. To anyone. To those who overcome. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, 3, and, verse, and chapter 21, it goes over many times about this. And I need to go over these things because... Some of these things, I don't even understand, but they sound really cool. So i got to read them. But it talks about to those that overcome. To the, it talks to the seven churches. And he talks about, how many know Jesus said this while he was on earth? He that endures to the end, he that overcomes. Come on, he that overcomes, he that endures to the end. So Jesus talked about this on the earth. And then when John was in, had the revelation of Jesus, or the, Jesus shared this revelation, um, he really shared some things about those that overcome. So follow along with me in Revelation. I'm not going to go through all of it and read it, but I'm just going to give you a little snapshot. He says this, To those that overcome, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. They will not be hurt by the second death. I will give the hidden manna and a white stone with a new name on it. I don't understand it, but it sounds really cool. Come on, right? And God will reveal it to us. He said this, To those that overcome, He said, I will give authority over nations. They will be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name from the book of life. I will acknowledge them before my Father and His angels. They will never leave the temple of God. God will write on them the name of God and the name of the city of God. I will give them the right to sit with me on my throne, Jesus said, to those that overcome. And then He said in chapter 21, He said to those that overcome, They will inherit the water of life and I will be their God and they will be my children. I mean, that's pretty good. They sound like some good rewards. Amen. Come on, some of you buy stuff on TV that doesn't have that as good rewards. I mean, it's good stuff, right? But you know, one of the things that I realized as I'm reading through these scriptures and going through the teachings of Paul on the rewards of Jesus, one of the things I realized is this, and I just want to make the statement and be clear about it, that righteousness is based on His performance. Rewards are based on my performance. Is that right? That's very true, isn't it? Well, I don't want to get into works. And I don't want to, how many know faith without works is dead? <clears throat> Amen? I, I get it. You know, you, you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't do anything that will make God love you any more than He does right now. But how many know your acts, whatever you do, what you say, what you do, come on, that's your performance. There's a reward for that, isn't there? That's what the Bible says. And I believe that. I'm kind of motivated by that. Righteousness is not based on my performance. On his performance. What Jesus did at Calvary. How many know that? You were just saying amen a few minutes ago. I mean, amen, right? But it, it, it's an award, a reward is based on our performance. Notice what Paul said when he talked about suffering. He said that the present sufferings are not to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. That's rewards, isn't it? That, that's he talking about when we stand before the Lord and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's a glory that's revealed. That doesn't mean that your haircut's awesome and that your clothes are going to be new and that you're going to have all this money. No, that he mean, what he's talking about, he's talking about that your works or your labor on earth really is going to be rewarded. That's what he's talking about. All the suffering you go through, the pain, the sickness, the death, the disease, all the things that we suffer through in this life, I believe that Jesus Christ is going to turn it into his glory. 
Turn it for his glory. Is that right? They're going to be rewarded for the things that we go through. And so it's what we gain. It's what we look for. It's what we look ahead to is what motivates us as believers in Jesus Christ. That's what motivates us. What's ahead of us? How many believe that Paul always constantly looked ahead what was ahead of him? He looked and he said, all this stuff here that I'm going through isn't, to be, isn't worthy to be compared to what Jesus has. And he said, listen, to be, to be present with you, that's great, but I'd rather be with the Lord. That's what Paul said. He said, all this stuff I count as loss, I count as rubbish and garbage that I may attain Jesus Christ. That I want to get a hold of something. I want to gain something. I want to receive something from the Lord. Old timers called it the winner's crown. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, it says that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Talking about the Olympics. They do it to get a crown that will not last. Back then it was just a wreath of just of leaves and whatever. And how many know that's not really that cool? But back then I guess it was pretty cool. Um, today it's, you know, for gold, silver, bronze. But, you know, in God's eyes that's not really that great. But he's saying they do it to receive a reward or a crown that will not last. It's just not going to last. But he said we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We put ourselves through strict training. We discipline ourselves. We discipline our flesh. We go through all these things in life that we might receive a crown. I mean, they said, well, nobody's going to be wearing a crown in heaven. Well, the Bible says that he's going to give people crowns and rewards. Many scriptures talk about the different types of crowns that Jesus will give. But how many know, all in all, when the Bible says that when He will appear, we'll take our crowns and we're going to lay them at His feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because He's the only one worthy to be crowned. Amen? All these earthly accomplishments, yeah, that's great. All these things. But, you know, we're looking for the greatest reward, and that is to know Him. As Paul said, that's one of His greatest rewards. And the book of Revelation wrote to the church of Smyrna about persecution and about the devil actually being allowed to persecute this church. He said this, he said, be faithful until you die and I will give you a crown of life. You know, for Paul that was good enough. For many of us, we want a million dollars. We want a big house. We want all this stuff. We want a big name. We want all this. How many know for Paul, a crown of life was good enough? And that's what he ran about. That's what he ran for. That's what he put himself through all the trouble and, and persecution and imprisonment and beatings. He said it's all worth the crown. <laughs> all worth the reward. Amen. Because one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear well done. I want to hear that was awesome. Amen. That you obeyed me. Even though you suffered for it, you still obeyed me. Paul said that's my crown in life. That's my, that's my goal. Amen. And one of the things that Jesus taught, also Paul taught, is that the things that we store up, we store up spiritual treasures. Did you ever think about that and study that? Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasure on, on the earth that where moths and rust can corrupt. He said, but lay up for yourselves things in heaven, heavenly treasures, where moth can't eat them and rust can't touch them. They last forever. We don't really think about that a lot, do we? We don't really think about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We're like, well, what does that mean? Well, I believe that it's in what we do say and think and how we respond to the scriptures that really determine how we are rewarded, how, what we store up for ourselves. How do we know when the things that you do here on earth, on earth are really stored up? <laughs> Amen? So Jesus taught us that we need to store up spiritual things. 
Don't try to hoard for yourself all the riches. And, and you know, Jesus talked to, uh, told a story about this guy that, man, he just, man, he just filled his barns full of grains and, and he got all kinds of land and riches. And then he said, he said, I just got this stuff for myself. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came and said, tonight your soul is required of you. You're going to die tonight because you hoarded all this stuff for yourself. He said, when it's all said and done, what does this mean? I mean, oh, come on, right? And so he said, you need to store up for yourselves things, heavenly treasures and spiritual treasures. It's pretty intense, isn't it? That's pretty intense. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 19, he was saying this, that wealthy people, by doing good deeds, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is only safe, the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Isn't that good? Amen? That you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. How I many you know you can, there's a bank in heaven? Now, I haven't found scriptures about it. But I believe if we could just kind of picture for a moment, it's kind of like a bank there. That you just kind of make these deposits and you make these deposits, you make these deposits. And then one day, how I many you know there's going to be a withdrawal? There's going to be a, a time when Jesus said, oh yeah, by the way, you put all this, all this stuff in. <laughs> You're going to be able to withdraw. Amen? Amen. You know, people, yeah, anyways, all right. So, you know, the Bible talks about this, and, and we want to move on. But the ultimate reward, the ultimate reward is one of the things I like that Paul said. He said to know him. How many of that's an ultimate reward? To know Jesus, to please him, to live with him. That's our ultimate reward. That's what it's all about. It's not like, hey, I'm going to get a bigger crown than you. I remember forget people were talking about, man, that's, you got a, like a diamond in your crown in heaven. You got rubies in your crown, you know, and all this other stuff. Who cares? In the end, if I don't know him, I won't see any of it. <laughs> I've got to know him. That's what it's about. And Paul said, man, that I can live with him forever. That's really my ultimate reward. But knowing that what we do here on earth, amen, God pays attention to. So what's important about the rewards of, of God and the reward in the end, what it's important is that we need to prepare ourselves. That's important, isn't it? You know, people spend so much time about where they're going to go on vacation, how they're going to retire, where they're going to live, all the investments, all the money. How much time do we really spend thinking about eternity? How much time do we ever put in thought, do we ever put into, okay, how's that going to work out for me? What's that going to look like for me? Amen? Have we ever thought about that? We just think like, you know, we're just going to die and and, you know, get the harp and everything, and, and it'll be cool for the rest of our lives. No, but the Bible says that there's actually what we do today affects our tomorrow. That you need to connect your today into the tomorrow, right? And we make that connection like, okay, Lord, what I do and I say and how I obey you and live for you, that has a lot to do with eternity. And so we need to prepare ourselves. I mean, it's important, it's really important that we do prepare ourselves. We prepare our hearts to meet the Lord and spend eternity with the Lord. And it's, it's amazing because the other thing that Paul teaches us, not only do we need to prepare ourselves, is that we need to run to win. He gave this analogy about sports in the Olympics, and he said, man, I'm just not beating the air. I'm not just going to church. I'm not just showing up. I'm not just saying I'm a Christian. Man, I'm really running this race. And everything that I go through, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about the endurance of this race so that I, when I can, at the end of this race, I can win this race. I mean, you know, I believe there's more Christians that need to run to win. You need to have an attitude of waking up in the morning. You're not just living and existing and paying your bills. Hey, come on, we're running to win. I'm not talking about being more, more popular, more famous, more successful than your neighbor. I'm talking about to receive the crown. 
to do what God wants me to do today, to fulfill His purpose in my life. I'm here to run to win. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not here to lose. <laughs> you know, have, have you ever heard an interview of an Olympic athlete said, you know, I'm just here to lose. I mean, you know, just however I do, I, I guess. If I get in last, I think that's pretty good. They probably would have never even got there. We never got to the trials with that attitude or whatever. Come on, somebody. Amen. And certainly not be interviewed by anybody. <laughs> and so yet Christians really don't have that will to win. And we need to have the will to win. We need to run this race to win. Well, I just I keep getting sick and my family and I've got a lot of problems and I had a lot of I've had a bad past it just hold me back and and I've got all these things. Listen, you need to run to win and everything that you go through is part of the training. It's part of the endurance. It's part of the race. That's why Paul said, "Man, this isn't a sprint, this is a marathon. Run with patience the race that is set before us because in the end there is a prize to win." Amen. Amen. Yes it is. And so I want to just wind this up by saying that when we talk about eternity and we talk about eternal life and we talk about heaven and we talk about hell and, and we talk about the rewards and all these things that the Bible says is in store for us in the end, I believe it needs to impact our lives today. Anybody believe that? And you know something? How many know when we talk about eternal life, ultimately, this is our hope. This is our hope. Eternal life is our hope. Money in the bank, that's not your hope. You know, having, uh, you know, uh, the right government system and the right systems and all these other things and having a great life and a blessed life, that's not our hope. Eternal life is our hope. That's, that's ultimately what my hope is about. My hope isn't that I'll have a better tomorrow and that it'll work out for me and I'll have a great job. That's not entirely my hope. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is about eternal life. Is that right? And, and in Titus chapter 2 the very text of this whole series, he says this, that we're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. How many know Jesus coming back is our hope? How many, how many know our hope is that when I lay my, my head down for the last time and breathe my last breath, my hope is that I open my eyes and see Jesus Christ and I spend eternity with Him, that I walk the streets of gold, that I see everything that I was ever told about Jesus. That's my hope. That I live forever, amen, and that I live, that I never see death, and I never see uh, uh, sickness and disease and pain and sorrow. That's my hope. My hope is that when I uh, live in eternity with Jesus Christ, I'll not know sickness, I'll not know disease, I'll see other loved ones that I've gone on before. I'll be able to sing with Abraham and David, and, and we'll be able to meet Jesus, and the one that uh, his hands were pierced for you will be able to wrap his arms around you forever. We worship the Lord for, this is our hope, folks, that I'm going to live for billions and billions and billions of years from now. This is my hope. My hope is, is that there'll be no more crying, no more war, no more devastation, no, no more governments of this world, no more, no more taxes, no more job, come on, no more old age. My hope is my life in Christ. That's my hope. And this is our hope. I like this scripture that Peter wrote in 1 Peter as I love this, as he penned these words, he opened up his letter and he said this. He said in verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed be the God and our Father, O Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. 
by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What's that mean? That simply means that, that what Jesus did at Calvary gave you a living hope. And by that living hope, that motivates us every single day until the day that we meet Jesus Christ face to face. That empowers us, that encourages us, that gives us strength, that gives us joy, that gives us... We can sing when everything else around us is dark. Come on, we can, we can have hope when everything else around us is bleak. We can have hope and we can have joy when everything else around us is crumbling and falling apart. We can have hope in this, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. I mean, a lot of things that people can take from your life. They can imprison you here. They can kill you and beat you, torture you. But one thing they can't take away is the hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be going through a lot of things. You may face devastating circumstances in your life that just is unbearable for most human beings. But our hope is that we have life in Jesus Christ. That's my hope. It's the hope that I have in Jesus that gets me through what we're going through right now. Amen? And so one of the things that we keep in mind is we keep in mind that the world lives for the moment because it has no hope for tomorrow. But Christians live for tomorrow because we have hope for today. Amen? Come on. That's why we live for tomorrow. That's why you, you can say, listen, it's God's will. I don't care whether I live or die. It doesn't matter. I, I belong to God. Whether I make it or I don't make it through this sickness, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be with Jesus. My hope is eternal life. I don't care. It doesn't matter whether I get healed or not. It doesn't matter whether I'm successful or not. My hope is in Jesus Christ. That's my hope. My hope is the life that I have in Him, the joy, the strength that I have in Him. That's my hope. And see, ultimately, as we said in the very beginning, that death is not my goal. It's not my end. Death is not my end. Eternity is. That's my goal. That's my life goal. That's my end game. Right there, right there it is. Right. It's not all the accomplishments and the riches and the success and all the things of this world. That has nothing to do with it. Come on, somebody. Amen. My end game is heaven. That's my goal. That's, that's where I'm going. I, I mean, I'm just passing through here. I'm just a stranger. I'm just, the Bible says we're just pilgrims. We're just, this is a very short time we have here compared to eternity. Amen. This is our hope. My hope is, is that well, I'll see loved ones again. My hope is, is that we'll wrap our arms around people that we miss every day. That we'll be able to say, we see you again. And come on, we always say that at funerals and, and when there's tragedy in our families, this is our hope. Our hope is, is that we have a body that will never die. That's our hope. Our hope is, is that we will have endless joy, endless peace, endless life. That's our hope. Amen? I mean, no, my hope is is established on the fact that I'm not going to die. I'm not going to face death. I won't have to suffer for my sins because Jesus suffered for me. Come on. I won't have to suffer in sickness anymore. Jesus suffered for me. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. And the blood of Jesus is, come on, my, my, my gateway into heaven, my door into heaven. Amen. That's how I'm getting into heaven, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. I love this. He said, according to my earnest expectation, Paul said in Philippians 2, he said, my hope, this is my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, and so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by my life or by my death. He said this in verse 21. He said, for me to live is Christ. 
To die is gain. Die is gaining. You're not losing anything. You're gaining everything. When we celebrate someone's life as a Christian and we celebrate their home going, we don't mourn as those that don't have hope, the Bible says. We think about the eternal life they're experiencing, the presence of God that they're in. We, yes, we, we, we mourn that we'll miss them, we, 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 and it's sad, and, and we look back on life's accomplishments, and we're going to miss them, but how many know ultimately our hope is not right there? Our hope is now in heaven, amen. We're going to lay this body down one last time, and the Bible says that here's even our greater hope. Even this old shell of a body is going to resurrect someday. The Bible says those that are dead in Christ that are buried shall rise again. Amen. So you're not going to kill me. Amen. My spirit's going to go to heaven and eventually God's going to give me a new body. This is awesome, isn't it? This is our hope in Christ. For, for me to die is gain. It's not a loss. It's a gain. It's a reward. It's actually something Paul said I'm looking forward to. I mean, oh, that stack of bills and you look at it and say, Lord, I can't wait to get to heaven. I won't have to deal with this stuff anymore. Amen? No more burdens. No more sorrow or sickness. No more disease. No more, you, can, you go outside in heaven and not wear a coat and worry about getting a cold. <laughs> Anything. No cancer. No leukemia. No, nothing. Nothing. There's no disease. Amen? Perfect bodies. This is our hope. This is why Jesus came and died and this is why we're so obligated to tell other people. Because there's a hope in what we have to say. Come on, somebody. Amen. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He longed to be, to heaven, and be in heaven. He longed to see Jesus. It wasn't just something that he said, man, I'm, you know, it's, hard, it's easy to, when you're going through prison and doing all these things. You know, and he, as Paul did, and he suffered all these things to say, Lord, I can't wait to get to heaven. But how do we know, even in the good times, Paul said, I'd rather be in heaven right now. <laughs> I mean, the best day on earth is not anywhere close to the worst day in heaven. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's, that's his, his thing. I love this word that he says here, lively hope. That means living hope. And so that means that this is a hope that must be kept alive in our hearts all the time. This is something that we remind ourselves about. This is something that we talk about, we sing about. When we read it in Scripture, we stop and we say, Lord, thank you. This is my inheritance. This is my promise. This is, belongs to me. Come on, somebody, Amen. Not just something that you heard all your life, but man, it's living hope. It's not something that you just talk about, yeah, I guess someday I'm going to die. Man, this is a living hope. This is something that is alive in your heart. Heaven is real in your heart. Eternity is living, as Paul was saying here. It's something that influences you in your daily decisions and thoughts and words. It's something that impacts your life. I mean, this is what he's saying. It's a living hope. And Paul was encouraging the believers there. He said, don't lose heart. How I many know we need to be encouraged today, especially in our world? Let's not lose heart. Let's not lose hope because Jesus Christ has given us a hope that's greater than any issue or any problem that we could go through today. And I just want to end by saying this and sharing this and that in this hope that we have, we have two things. I want to share real quick two things. We have assurance and we have confidence. That's what the Bible teaches. We have assurance. In fact, in Romans 8, it says we're saved by hope. Saved by hope. Amen. This is our faith. And in Proverbs 14, it says, as for the righteous, their hope is in their death. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And Hebrews chapter 6 says that hope is our anchor. 
Hope isn't just something that we have in our back pocket. It's something that we actually live by. Something that actually we can stand on. It's our anchor when we go through hard times. Hope. Come on, somebody. It gives us assurance. Saying, you know what? I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know how I'm going to live through this. I can't imagine how I'm going to be able to breathe another breath getting through this circumstance and this situation. But one thing I do have, I have hope. And hope is my anchor. Hope is the thing that, amen, as the Bible says, that is real. It's not just something we say, well, I kind of believe in it. It's real. Hebrews chapter 3 says this in verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. How many know that there's two things about hope? There's assurance and there's confidence. This assurance is, I like to think of it this way, it's comfort and safety. That's what assurance is, comfort and safety. If you've, if you've really walked through a, you know, a painful experience, a death of a loved one, or, or a painful experience in your life, you'll, you'll understand the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How many have ever felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit? How many have ever felt the comfort of God? You went through a difficult situation, you felt, I feel safe here. I feel safe here. You know, come on, we feel the, the pains of death couldn't hold Jesus. He destroyed uh, all these, the, the one who has power over death. He destroyed the devil. This is our assurance. This is our comfort. This is our safety that Jesus overcame death for us. This comforts us. Amen? Come on, somebody. The fact that we will live eternally, that comforts us. And then confidence. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things I have written unto you who believe in the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, that you have confidence that you're saved. Romans chapter 5 says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And one more scripture in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He is in God. By this, love is perfected in us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, we also are in Him. How many know we can have confidence in the day of judgment? We can stand before the Lord without fear, knowing that, amen, what we've done here on earth in our hearts was pure before the Lord. It was done in faith. Come on, it was done out of love. It was done out of obedience for the Lord. And we can stand in confidence before the Lord. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. But this love, the Bible says, is perfected in us. And so what is that confidence? This confidence is courage and strength. That's what it brings. And just one last statement. Hope is the assurance that brings com the comfort and the confidence that brings strength. So hope is this assurance and this confidence. How many believe that? How many are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ of eternal life? How many can just lift your hand to heaven and say, man, I'm, I'm just thankful for, amen, the power of grace in my life that prepares me, amen, and, and teaches me to run to win, that, Lord, I can have this assurance and this confidence, amen, that uh, I'll be safe in the end, amen? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Hallelujah. How many believe the gospel is our hope? Amen. But, but more than that, today, we want to con continue to live under this impact of grace in our lives. How many know and believe that if you live under the influence of, of grace, you're going to live under the influence of the cross? You're going to live under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to live under the influence of the end. Something that changes your life. It doesn't just, man, okay, that's great. Man, it changes you. 
It, it, it directs your life. It causes you to live a certain way and think a certain way and speak a certain way. But you know, how many believe that the impact of grace, one of the greatest things that grace does in our lives, is lets us know that we have got to preach the gospel. We've got to share this truth. We've got to, we've got to obey the commission. We have to. We've got to fulfill the mission of Jesus because this is what it's all about. It's not just about becoming a better you. It's about fulfilling the mission of Jesus. It's about doing what God wants us to do and doing His will and living for Him every single day, not living for ourselves. The Bible says that's what we used to do before we knew Jesus. We used to live for ourselves. We used to have our own goals and our own, our own things in life, our selfish wants and desires. But how many know now that we get born again, our hearts changed? Not only do we love God with everything within us, but we love other people better than we love ourselves. And we see the seriousness of people's end. We see the soberness of life and how that it's just like grass. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. The sun comes up and burns the grass and it's gone. Life is a vapor, as the Bible says. But it's so important that we understand that we don't have much time. We've got to fulfill this commission. We've got to do what God wants us to do while this, we have this short time on the earth. I don't know about you, but I want to live for the mission of Jesus. Amen. I just want to walk in what God has for me. I want Him to write on the book of my life and the chapters of my life. I want Him to fill the pages of, those, of that book. I want Him to be able to say, today I've got this for you and I want to fulfill this and I want to do this through you. Today I've got so many things that I want to do through you. I want to say, Lord, I want to obey your every word. I want to do what you want me to do today. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. How many can lift your hand in heaven and say, I want to be, live under the impact of grace today. Amen. Live under the impact of grace. So what we need to do is we need to not just live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but we've got to really fulfill this mission of Jesus. And there's so many people that they're just not aware about Jesus. They're not aware. People can't believe in Jesus until they become aware of Jesus. And it's our job. It's up to us. I wish somebody would come from China and, and evangelize Williamsport. But God didn't call somebody to do that necessarily. He called me here. He called you here for such a time as this. I wish I lived in another, de another decade when there was no war, when there was no hate and crime and, and these things. I wish I lived in a different time, but how many know there's probably not any timeline in history that we could live and say that it was peaceful. But how many know right now God wants us to live today and say, God, we want to do what you want us to do. We've got to fill this great commission. There's millions and millions of people that don't know Jesus. They don't know about eternal life. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. They don't know about the cross. I'm going to want to just be used by God today, right now, today, to live under the impact of grace. I don't even know how to close this series. <laughs> I just want to say, God, just help us as Christians live under the influence of grace in our lives on a daily basis. Can we just pray in closing today? If you don't know Jesus Christ, and if you're not born again, maybe you're running from God, you think you've got it all figured out, but you know in your heart you're running from God. Today is a day to lay your sin down at the feet of Jesus. Take up the cross and obey his every word and say, Lord, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be faithful to the end. I want to endure to the end that, Lord, I can receive eternal life. Today, I, I don't know what you're going through, but there's nothing to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Some of you are going through sickness and disease and some of you are going through pain and suffering and you're going through loss, struggling and struggling. I just want you to embrace eternity today and say, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, my hope is in you. You are my source. You are my safety. You are my confidence, Lord. I, Lord, I, I, I want nothing when I want you. And I thank you, Lord, today that you'll bring people to yourself. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.
Amen. If you need prayer today, we have a prayer team coming up around the front. We certainly love to pray with you. If you'd like to know more about Jesus and have questions about God and uh, Christian, Christian faith, we definitely want to answer.